Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. And for today's All Ball, I thought we'd catch up with an OG. Uh, his name is Demetri Hill. You may remember him, Demet Hook, at the University of Florida. Remember that 94 team that went to the Final Four? Yeah, Demetri Hill, Andrew DeClerc was another big guy. He had some chase down blocks. Anyway, he had a really kind of fascinating upbringing. Growing up in St. Petersburg. Made himself into a star. Slowly earned his way to being a star in college and then had a 15-year career overseas. If you really want to get down to it, if if Demet Hook was coming out of Florida today, there's a guy who said, hey, if he would drop a little weight and work on his three-point shot, he'd be a Draymond Green type. And he was a tremendous passer, an outstanding low post scorer and long arms, big hands, but kind of one of those undersized bigs with long arms. Today, small ball five. So I want to get into that, and you'll hear his journey. All the different places he played, all the different coaches he played with, I thought you'd enjoy it. Well, without further ado, here's Demet Hook. Um, so before we get to your career and your travels and how well-known you are, um, you first started playing basketball. You could paint the picture. Youth center. High school, what was your first memories of basketball? First memory of basketball, uh, dad took me out. I was maybe 10, and he was coaching basketball team, actually. And then, so he was coaching his team, 
And then, so I was just in the gym. And, you know, he never tried to influence me to play any sport. And then, so I just picked up the ball and then just started running up and down with the other kids. And it was fun. And then, so we got back in the car. And he asked me, he was like, uh, you know, you want to play basketball? You want to become pretty good at it? And I was like, yeah. So <clears throat> that weekend, uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a Saturday. And he took me out to the park. You know, outside courts, you know, which they don't play outside anymore these days. The kids won't know what I'm talking about. But, um, and then he just taught me how to drop step left and right. So I had to learn how to use my left hand and my right hand. And then, so after that, it took off from there. So I fell in love with the game. And then every day after that, it was basketball. What, what was the, what was the outdoor park? What was it called? Oh, Wildwood Community Center, right there in St. Pete, right? Still there today. Uh, it's a great place. Um, a lot of the best basketball players from Pinellas County, Tampa, Hillsborough, Manatee, uh, you know, they have come through there because, uh, you know, they throw a lot of great tournaments and all the best high school players. Then they used to have the program league back in the day there. You know, Matt Geiger played in there a lot. And so, uh, you know, that was just where you go to uh, see if you really had game. And so, uh, you know, I was 14 playing an adult men's uh, pro-am. And so that right there at that moment, I knew I was at least going to college to play, you know, basketball. What was your dad like with you? Like, I understand he taught you the basic fundamentals, but was he hard on you? Did he coach you growing up? Like, what was what was that relationship like? He coached me. He coached me until uh, I got in eighth grade. And, yeah, he was definitely hard. But he was fair, you know, and then – uh, when I got to about seventh grade, I actually told him <laughs> I don't want to play for him anymore. You understand? And, 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 you know, him, you know, being a good man, he's like, okay. And then so he's like, who are you going to play for? So then he cut off the coach mode and then he went into the dad mode. And then so he's like, okay, yeah, they do a good job over there. You go play over there. Have no problem with that. And, you know, ironically, uh, we played against them in the championship and beat them. And so, <laughs> And so that was a that was a great ride home for me, you understand? And then so after that, you know, uh he had a different level of respect for me too, because I was growing up and growing into my own person. And then uh when I did decide to play for him again, uh he was a little different. He wasn't as hard. So and but he saw that I took the game seriously and I did everything he asked me to do. And he just started, you know, saying it a different way. So yeah, that was that was that was pretty good. Um, you were always a post player? Always a post player. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with my dad, he just told me if I'm going to play on the basketball court, I should be able to do everything. So that's where the shooting came from. That's where the ball handling comes from. That's where, you know, running the floor and, and, and the IQ passing and all that. So, you know, that started at an early age. It's interesting though because you're I'm sure you watch now and you're like I was born too soon right because I mean you're 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 a, you're a small ball five right now I mean that that's that's it, it. that's it is it, it, now is now it, now would have been my time because it's more about skill than you know pretty much athleticism because you know you see a lot of guys you know like a, a Draymond Green or Williams from Boston you know those guys that fit that mold that you know, was similar to my skill set as well. So, 
you know, it's good. It's good. The game has evolved. And now you have to be skilled more than just athletic. You also don't have to be, you know, six nine, six ten to play in the post, right? Like those those right. guys, those guys are like they're they're uh, like dinosaurs. They're relics of the past. Yeah, big man has definitely faded out, but you still have dominant bigs, and if you're a dominant big that can play and you're skilled, you will make a lot of money to end today's basketball game for sure. Why you? Nobody out there, it's nobody out there tall as you, so. You definitely have all the skills and plus the length and the height and, you know, you're in good shape. You know, kudos to the bigs out there that's still doing it, like the Joker and Embiid and, you know, uh, uh, Kirkchick up in uh, Portland. I like his game. Uh, and then uh, my man that used to play for Orlando, now he's in Chicago, Vucevic. Yep. He has a nice game too, so. All those, all those foreign bigs. All those foreign bigs that are just more skilled, you know? I mean, I mean, um, you know, these these American kids now, they they gaming. You know, they have other outlets. You know, they're still playing football now. It's the football is still the sport. But as far yeah, as how, do you, how do you grow up? I mean, for real, though, how do you grow up in St. Pete, right? In right. prime football country. And most people look at you and go like, man, that's a, that's a left tackle. That's a defensive end. That's a Hall of Fame, and and hoop was hoop was your thing. I know your dad coached it, but how did you avoid the football thing? I'm I'm, I'm gonna tell you this, and it's the only reason that I didn't play football is because for my age and my size, you know, I was just too big. I couldn't have never made the weight. So, and then back then, it's not like now when you know these big kids they just put an X on their helmet and put them on the line, or they have you know. Prop one lead, they had different leagues and things now that, you know, helps these kids that, you know, were like myself growing up. And so that just pushed me to play basketball because, you know, I was grown man size, so I went and played with grown men. And then when I got to high school, then it was, it was a wrap. So I got my first letter from um, the University of New Orleans as a rising ninth grader. And then, yeah, college was my destiny after that. Why, uh, why Florida? <laughs> Tell you, like I told Patrick Young, uh, I, I went to the practice <laughs> and I, I knew I'd go there and play right away. So I didn't worry about the competition in front of me. I didn't worry about who they were bringing in. I knew I was going to compete. And, and then, you know, one thing that we say in St. Pete and pretty much everywhere else, you know, the cream rises to the top. And so eventually, you know, because I put the work in, you know, Lon Kruger was, a, uh, he was a tough coach, but he was fair. So if you put the work in, you did the time, and that's, you know, what I had to learn as a freshman at UF, you know, to put the work in. Because, like, in high school, you know, I was the man, but I had to get humble my freshman year. <laughs> and then, you know, he put me on the bench, but I was killing in practice. You understand, uh, we used to beat the first team all the time. But, you know, they were seniors and juniors. So, you know, they were there. He was loyal to them. But then when my time came, uh, I didn't let it go. That Final Four run in 94, I remember being in, in Charlotte. Uh, but you guys had an awesome team, right? You had Dan Cross, you had the clerk, yeah. you had Kelf. Um In that season, did you, did you know you guys were going to be that good? No, no. Uh, but what brought us together that year is before that Final Four season, 
we took a, a, a tour tour trip over to Australia. And so we played all the pro teams in Australia, which had, uh, you know, Rodney Moreau, um, uh, Dwayne McClain, uh, Kenny McClary, and a few others. And so we knew we were going to be pretty good if we could compete against them. So, um, but that team, it was, it was super unique, right? It was, Florida wasn't known as a huge basketball t- uh, uh, basketball program. You know, you had Dwayne Shinsis in the past and some other dude, but not really known. But you guys were, you guys were fun. You guys are athletic. You guys are unique. Now, what do you remember about that ride? The the thing was, it was it was so unexpected that every 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 game was a new was a new step. We we went to a new tier. You understand? And, and coach, <laughs> damn, it's amazing. I still remember it. And coach always talking about you know building rungs until we complete the ladder. You understand? So you know we had to go to you know for one month. Uh, when we went to Hawaii, you know, we wanted to be good. Everyone said, you know, uh, that suck. I like Oklahoma State, but Louisville gave it to us pretty good. But, you know, we upset Oklahoma State and big country. And so that, that was a great game. That, that game right there really put me on the map as far as the national attention went. And then uh, I had a great game against Louisville as well. And so then that, it was it after that. And so, you know, I came prepared for that season and I was unexpected. And then nobody expected that type of play from me. And then so now I'm getting all the attention. And then so now my other team, they started being all that too. And then so, you know, they wanted some of that attention as well. And then so they stepped their game up. And then uh, we just competed to be pretty much great every day. And then so it was fun. That, that out of all the basketball I played and win the championship over in uh, Europe, uh, that, that was fun. That was actually the most fun I've had playing basketball. When did you originally, now, is, have you always been called the Meat Hook or was that just during that run? Like, when, when no, did no, that? No. Actually, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Carla called in uh, on the um, Larry Vitell show. And then they dubbed it, you know, because uh, R.C. Buford was our assistant coach. Go figure. He the GM <laughs> for the world champion San Antonio Spurs. And he was in my ear, you know. Uh, I-, I can tell you this. Like, my freshman year, I met with Coach Kruger probably two, three, four times a week. Uh, my sophomore year, maybe once a month. So, our R.C. was the buffer. Uh, he-, he definitely was the glue. And was the secret ingredient that got us to that point because, you know, he, he worked us. He made it fun. Uh, we showed up early, stayed late. Uh, he protected us. Uh, he, he did everything. And then, so he, he told me, uh, <laughs> he would be like, those Kruger, you know, want you to shoot your, uh, hook shot a little more. So I was like, that's it. He was like, yeah. And then, so one game, I think I, it was 10 for 11 shooting hook shots. So, I mean, and then after that, we called in and called it the meat hook. And then so it just stuck. And I'm just mad I didn't uh, have the wherewithal when I was the 19 trademark. years old to copyright that thing. Yeah, oh trademark and everything. So, can you imagine? Ma- yeah. Especially with like name, image, and likeness now. Uh, like you have big personality, you had a big game. 
right? You're at Florida, a huge school. I mean, just imagine the meat hook and trade marketing and NIL today and what you would have been able to capitalize on. I would have pulled up to the game in a rocket ship. <laughs> I had to pull up to the game in a spaceship. I'm telling you, then all the jerseys they sold, my 35 jersey and everything. Not just me, Dan had them, Andrew had them, Craig had them as well. So, so it, it had been a plenty for everybody to go around. But I'm just glad they got it right in a way. But now they got to figure out how to control it because. You know, some of these kids coming in there, you know, making a ton of money right now, and then they making more money than the coaches. So I can see where that could be a problem. Well, I also think that part of it is the, the issue is if you're paying a guy before he ever plays, right? One, that's not really the idea of NIL. The, the idea of NIL is you ball out, you make a name for yourself, you're able to benefit off of it immediately, right? Yeah. Uh, right. But, um, but the other part to it is, that as you as you experienced, right, when you get there, you don't always play right away. And so what happens is these kids, they either the coaches feel forced to, to play them because they're how much money they're getting. Okay, right. which older players like, why why am I still around here? And if they they don't play as well as they think, then they transfer out before they ever actually live up to that building and it becomes a vicious cycle. It's, it's not the it's not the idea of not compensating a kid for name image likeness but how do you create kind of a fair balanced way to do it that's the hard part and then and then how can it be a fair market value when if i'm finna go to play football at alabama you understand i know i'm about to make millions of dollars or at least half a million and then if i come down to say troy college of troy you understand like that is not going to be an equal playing field and they're not going to be able to offer as much as one of those big schools. So, you know, I don't know if it have to be a cap or anything like that, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an efficacy stages. So a lot of people are going to make a lot of money in the beginning and then they'll figure it out later. You get done playing at Florida. Um, What was what was the pre-draft process like? What was that because everybody has the, the the goal of being in the league? What yeah. what were people telling you? What was the process like for you? So my thing was everybody telling me I'm getting drafted. You know, it's gonna be second round, which okay, I'm cool with it. But um, <clears throat> went out to uh, San Antonio, went out there with RC, and they had a great workout with them. I was out there for a couple weeks, so we went through everything. I destroyed everybody, and RC, you know. San Antonio didn't have uh, a draft pick that year in 96. So he was like, well, if you don't get drafted, I'll invite you, you know, to the camp. So I was like, okay, got that in the bag. Then so after that, went down to, uh, I call it the torture chamber on South Beach, (laughs) working (laughs) with uh, Pat Riley, uh, did his uh, camp. And that was that 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 let me know right there that level of just training for the NBA was something different. Because even now, you know, Riley stuff is legendary. And even though uh, you know, Spolster done took took some of that over, but that that measuring the body fat and weighing every couple of days and all that and then, you know, getting your nutrition right and everything, it's real down there. And he runs you to death. So that right there. I knew I wasn't making my Heat team because they only had two spots, and it was 
45 people. So, <laughs> but I think, the experience I think, was great. I, I, I was and, I was in a I was in a camp, a Lakers camp with Isaac Austin, and I remember him talking about the Heat. Yeah. He like he was like, "Yo, uh, one preseason with the Heat took three years off my career." That's what he said. But but if it wasn't for the Heat, he wouldn't have never been in the league because yeah. I was at I was at that camp with Isaac Austin. You understand? So they had him in shape. He was there before anybody got there. So we knew one of those spots was going to him. Yep. And then so everybody else was going to put one more spot because they invested a lot of time in him. got him to lose weight and he looked great. And then uh, after he, you know, had them a couple good seasons in Miami, then he came to Orlando. And then, you know, it, went, it was downhill from there because Orlando has great restaurants and, they gave him a lot of money to come up there, so he was going to get it anyway. So they didn't put a weight clause in this contract, and then so the rest is history. With that. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What was it like for you to, to try and manage your weight? It was, uh, I can tell you this, it was easier to manage it in Europe than it was when I was home. Because in Europe, uh, the food is different. They don't put as much things in the food and uh, you don't eat as much meat all the time over there. You understand as we do over here in the States. And uh, just the whole culture and lifestyle over there, it is not built around food. You understand? Like, this side, you know, Americans over here, we eat a lot of meat. And then, so that's what I used to notice when I used to come back from my travels, is how bad we eat over here. And so, of course, I'm, I'm from here. I love food, love steaks, love all that. So, you know, in the summertime, I would work out three times a day, watch what I ate. But then once I got through playing, Doug, uh, it was tough. That, that they don't that there's they don't have the snacks like we have right like here's always something you can stop and get and snacks or whatever like yes the meals are generally healthier but i mean and you can smaller. still find but but the but the the snacks is what really gets you you know right and then over there you eating you're not eating uh 
preservative bread and everything. You get fresh bread every day, so you got to go to your bakery. You understand? You're not buying, you know, like they don't even sell like Wonder Bread and things like that, you know, only certain times. So it's just a whole lifestyle and eating a lot more salads, a lot more soups. Because when I was in Slovakia, I think I ate soup every day. Your first team overseas was Hopwell Tel Aviv, right? So you, so you go, you're 20, what, two years old? 22, yes. Just left UF. So you, you're 22. You want to play yep. in the NBA. You don't. You go to Israel playing Hopwell Tel Aviv. A dude yep. from St. Pete who's been in Gainesville. What, yes. what, what, do you, what do you remember about that first experience? Uh, it, it, it was pretty well. The first thing I remember was how long the flight was. I was like, damn, where is Israel? You understand? <laughs> like, we are really flying to the Middle East. Like, damn. <laughs> and then you on LL, you understand? That's the only airplane going into Israel, you know, at that time. You understand? So that, the flight was great. And then you, 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 you know, then everybody on the airplane would tell you the history of LL and it has never, you know, had an accident or anything like that. And so, you know, that was the, and the, uh, it was a culture shock, but the great thing was, is everybody spoke English. So I didn't have a difficult time adjusting. And then the one thing that I did love about Israel is that everybody is knowledgeable about sports. Like, like a lot of people, because when Daron Sheffer was played in UConn, we played UConn. And so they remember me from that game that we beat UConn to get to the Elite Eight down in Miami. So, you know, and over there, they up at 2 a.m. out on the beach, over on Allenby Street. You understand? Having a party. So, yeah, it was, it was, it didn't take long to get adjusted, but, you know, the food, it took a minute to get adjusted because I did not like uh, hummus. Yeah. Is it every meal? They put it every yeah. meal. And then I was like, then, then, so then we come back to the States and then I see hummus. But I was like, that is not the real hummus. You understand? Like, I don't think you would eat the real hummus because it doesn't taste like anything. Like, you know, it's no flavor. It's no garlic. It's no nothing. How'd you manage yep. the nightlife, right? Like it's Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv's a good time, but now you're also now you're also a professional athlete. Like how how hard was that first year out? Not going out the night before the games. You understand? Uh, just being disciplined with it. Uh, it, it, it was it was tough. You understand? Then I had to get my routine, and I can't never say I didn't go out some nights before the game. But uh, I just I, I just put it like this, Doug. I was like. If I'm out the night before the game and every the whole city knows it, then when I show up at the game, I got to play my ass off because if I don't, that's going to be the reason that they use that I didn't play good because I was out. And I might not have been out till midnight, but it, it, midnight turns into four o'clock real easy. What? How did you do with the coaching? Because Israeli coaching is, it's a little bit like college coaching in that they think they're, they're the boss, right? It's not like real professional basketball where players kind of have a say a little bit right um but they also they don't they're not they don't have the rc bufords to to kind of bridge the gap there right they right. just they they don't how did how did you handle that well my first my first coach uh mayor kaminsky over there at uh 
and, and Hopperwell, uh, he, he was like, look, <laughs> he was like, you're not in college anymore. He was like, we bring you here to win games and score points. He was like, you are an American. So he just gave me, you know, a brief overview of how I'm looked at on the team as I, if I'm the man. And then, so I just took the ball and ran with it. And then he just told, he's taught me one phrase, uh, in Israel that I used when I was over there. <laughs> and it was, uh, Tinley Kadu. That was like, give me the ball. Yep. So, and then, so that's it. That was it. So I was like, yeah, all right, I'm home. And then I had a great season. I mean, led the league in scoring. Uh, we was, we finished at the bottom, but you know, kept them in there. And so, and then I even got all my money that first year. So that was, that was rare. And then, uh, <laughs> cause yeah, it's some stories in Israel and they all true about that money. But, um, the question. Yeah. Yeah. So you get, you get done. Why France the next year? Uh, they, they, they call my agent. And then so, and then so the, my first question was, who is my point guard? And then so they like, we got Jerry McCullough. And so Jerry, me and Jerry played together at Portsmouth. I know. I and then, so I was like, oh, me and Ice, I was like, well, with Ice, I know I'm going to win some games. And then so once again, we went to Graveline. And uh, Ice actually was the MVP of the league that year. And then so I had a, uh, I had a very good season as well. And then they wanted to bring me back <laughs> to Graveline after that. But Ice wasn't coming back. And then so um, Eisenberg got on the uh, phone with my agent and said they wanted me back in Israel. So my third year, I went back to Israel, but it wasn't as good as my first year. So team wasn't as good. We made a lot of changes. Um, Johnny Newman was the coach. So he was like the only American coach in Israel at that time. Well, no, David Black too, but you know, but um, he's essentially an Israeli. So, right, right. But he got a, uh, he got fired, <laughs> and then they brought in uh, Ronnie Bassani, and he was a he was a good coach. He was a very good coach. I wish we probably would have had him at the beginning. Uh, you know, we would have won some games, and it'd have been more discipline and not as chaotic as when Johnny was there. Because Johnny was whew, Johnny Newman was he was out more than we were. So. <laughs> And then, you know, come to the game and he was still living in his glory days when he was scoring 40 points at, in the SEC. So, you know, we had to hear all those stories and how he uh, coached in Greece and everything like that. So, you know, that was, that was, I liked him as a person, but as a coach, he was terrible. But as an assistant coach, he would have been great because he drilled you to death. And then, so that made me better as well. Like just working with him for those couple months he was there, all the drills we did, just you, him and he and I, uh, that helped my game as well. You know, just catch and shoot, especially with the catch and shoot part. I became a better catch and shoot person uh, working with Johnny. Why'd you return to the States? Why, why go to the CBA? Uh, that was the quickest way to get to the league back then, was to go yeah, to the you, CBA. You thought you had two and years then, overseas, you really worked on your shooting. You know, now all of a sudden you can kind of establish yourself. And then uh, Sioux Falls was calling. So, and then, so I had a good chance. Um, I was over there and Sioux Falls was a great look. 
I mean, starting, uh, putting up numbers, you know, getting looks, and then uh, rip my groin. And then so that put me on the shelf for about a whole summer. And, and then, so I tried to come back. When I tried to come back during the playoffs and wrap it up. But, you know, my groin, it, I, had to, I had to heal. So I took time off after that. And then uh, once I healed up, before the, uh, the summer season started in Europe, I went down to Venezuela, you understand, because yeah. I was sitting around for three months. And then so my agent got me a deal down to Venezuela. Then so I was able to, you know, heal up and go down there and play, play well, play very well down in Venezuela, which is a fun league. Yes, uh, it's, it's, it's wild. It's a though, dangerous right? country, but it's fun at the same time. It is wild. So, okay, so but, but give me, give me the mental, give, give me the mental image. Like, what, what's your? You say, I, a, I know it's a spring league. Guys can go down there and make a good amount of money in a short period of time. Yeah. It's good talent yeah. down there, but as you said, it's dangerous. So, like, paint the picture. I mean, what was your apartment like? What was? Did you walk to the gym? What? Yeah. How, how much was there? Crime everywhere. Like, what was it really like? Okay, we we everything was was gated and barred up. So you, you're not going in through anything without gates and bars, even on the window. And we did not walk to practice. We had drivers. So if we wanted to go anywhere, uh, we had drivers. They they stayed down at the bottom of the building uh, 24 hours a day. So anywhere we wanted to go, they drove us. And then, you know, around our um, apartment building, because all the players stayed in one apartment building, the owner owned the building, so pretty much all the team lived there. But, you know, you had little cafes and bodegas and little restaurants and stuff around the area that we would frequent a lot. But pretty much we had people with us all the time, even when we went clubbing. Uh, they would take us there, you understand? And then, you know, no issues or anything because, you know, a lot of people get caught up in, you know, the nightlife and the... the the atmosphere over there is conducive to whatever you want to do, and then so if you're not careful, you get caught up in it, and it can go, it can go, it can go south really quick. And I've seen it, you understand. So a lot of players, you know, come over there, and then in two weeks they're gone, and you're like, why? And then so that's why because they can handle the situation because the women are amazing. Yes, and then the money, like you say, the money is good, and everything is cheap over there. So. You're living a good life, and then you, you rarely have to pay for anything because they fed us twice a day if we choose to eat, you know, at the uh, facility where we practice that. You know, our, our local team uh, makes their eat there, but, you know, sometimes, we, you know, we didn't eat there, but it was the option. And then they sent all our money home to our bank accounts. They gave us per diem per day, so we didn't have to really spend any money. And then so... Uh, a couple of my teammates spoke fluent Spanish, so that helped a lot too. And then I learned the language, and then so it was a good time from there. And then so that got me back in shape too to get back into Europe. And then so also made some good money. And then you know got to the finals. And then down there you play <laughs> everybody like you would play uh, three times in a weekend. You understand? So. It, it would be hard because you go down there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But by the time you got to Sunday, you really didn't want to play the other team, but they don't want to play you either. So it depends. Like on 
beat them twice, they're going to win the third game. <laughs> or if they don't beat you twice, then you got to win the third game because you don't want to deal with the owners not paying. So, you know, Venezuela was cutthroat, but it was good. Um, you, you then you play in the ABA. What was it like to play at home in Tampa? Now you're playing in your hometown. That, wow. that sounds, sounds played, fun, but I, sounds like sounds challenging as well. And I played for Daryl Dawkins. So, so that was, that was a, a great experience. And, and once again, I was doing my thing. Uh, I, the ABA, and then they were paying a good lot of money at that time as well. And then yeah. um, I, I'll never forget this play. Uh, it was just going up for a, a rebound. And it was me and Bernard Benjamin. And I was giving him the business that whole game. And so he made a dirty play and he hip checked me, but he's seven foot. So when he hip checked me, I kind of, I, he, he, I should have fell to the ground, but you know, the pride, like, ain't finna knock me down. And then I, I, I uh, it resulted in a herniated disc. So I finished the game, had a good game, but after that, I couldn't walk for like two months. And then I had to be in rehab and I did a lot of stuff in the pool and injections and everything like that. So my uh, season pretty much over uh, after that play. But um, the ABA was great. Being home was great. I got to see my family. They got to see me play a few games. Uh, I had my family down with me because, you know, they didn't have to travel to Europe and go through the airports. And with small kids at that time, you know, that was good. Uh, we lived uh, in Tampa. So, you know, everything was good. I mean, it was good. It's just too bad they couldn't uh, keep that one going because a lot of players from that, you know, got jobs, and some of them even went to the league from the ABA. So, you know, it's 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 many ways to get there. It's just all about timing and opportunity. So you have to go. You go back overseas. Where'd you go next? Yeah. I went to China actually. <laughs> then after the ABA, I went to China, and then that was now that was culture shock. You understand? Like I've never ever really could imagine what a billion people look like, but there's people everywhere in China. Like, you get no privacy, no peace, 24 hours a day. People always in the street. Um, we went up to training camp, and we had training camp up in the mountains for like a month. And then, uh, but it was five million people in the village. You understand? So, it was not like it was a small, it was a small city, but that was overcrowded as well. And then so, but then when you come down from the village, you down into the main city. So we was on the, the border. We was in Guangzhou. So that was like South China. And then right across from uh, Hong Kong. So we was able to go to Hong Kong. And that was when uh, it was still under British rule. So we had to get a visa and everything to go to Hong Kong because it was still under British rule. But uh, I think that next year, they had to give it back. So it was like after a hundred years, they had to give it back to China. And then so, but they still own all the banks. So it's pretty much still great. What was it like playing there? It was crazy, chaotic, uh, barbaric, actually. But they give you a lot of money. But the Chinese, <laughs> the way, 
and, 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 and you better be able to fist fight because you will get sucker punched. And, and yeah, I still got scars from the Chinese basketball league. But yeah, it, it's I, I, one time was enough, and we, we did not ever want to do it again. Uh, a lot of a lot of Americans go over there and they get thrown out of the league for fight because you, they're gonna hit you. There's no if ands about it. They're gonna sucker punch you. They're gonna do everything they can to take you out. Okay. <laughs> And if they get kicked out, so be it. They would they would love to get rid of the American for one of the uh Chinese local players. Um what was the weirdest food you tried in China? Uh octopus. And it was it was it was alive. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, what? Octopus. A live octopus? It was alive. They brought it out, it was still moving. And then so, you know, I uh chopped up the little tentacles and then I ate a little piece, but that was it. But yeah, that was, the Chinese food over there is definitely different than what we experience over here. That's real Chinese food in Asia. This over here is American Chinese food. That is pretty much trash. I know you played back in France. Actually, we played against each other in France. And then you went yeah. to what, uh, Slovakia as well? I went to Latvia first. After France, I went to Latvia. And that was, uh, I played with Andres Beardren. Uh, he was 17, 18 years old. Uh, and he, he was he was a pro then. But, uh, you know, that was fun. Uh, Bill Duff shut him down before the, before the uh, playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. And so that was, that could have been my first championship, but of course, uh, we lost to Vince Bills in the finals, but, uh, that was a great experience. What's, uh, what's the, somebody who hasn't been to Latvia, what was that like for you? <laughs> Latvia was, uh, Latvia was an unexpected surprise. That's like a diamond in the rough over there. We were in Riga, so we was in the camp. And, and and in that country, the, the ratio for men to women is like seven women to one man, man, and oh, beautiful. So that was, and then the money was the money was shit. But I took that opportunity because it was a Euroleague team, and so I took a step back to you know propel my career a little further because I, I destroyed the uh, the, the Euro, Euro Cup, yeah, and then so uh, the FIBA Cup or whichever it was. Uh, was an all-star in that. And then so that 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 carried me on for the rest of my season. That's just one year playing in Latvia for like eight thousand dollars a month. And uh which was less than I was making in in gravel in uh Orleans. <laughs> well you we played against you when you was down in Claremont. Claremont. Yeah. 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 That was uh that was some great times, but Latvia was good. I still have friends over there to this day I talk to. Um, and then after that, uh, we went to uh, Cyprus. And then Cyprus was another country with barbaric basketball. Uh, when you say barbaric basketball, it wasn't, when you say barbaric basketball, what do you mean? Yeah. Just deep shots? Okay. Nah, nah, nah. This, these from the fans. The, the, actually, the play, the play was great. But these fans, like, they would spit on you. They would throw, uh, like, for instance, I was doing a timeout. My coach, he was talking to us. And he had on his Armani suit. 
and it's a big game. And 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 he's just sitting down, talk to us, and all we see is spit coming from the crowd, all on his face, on his suits, and just sitting there taking it. I was like, man, are you crazy? And then uh, they throwing uh, the drums, uh, like we're going to run and we beat the good team. They throw the drums on the uh, court, then they'll run the court if the if the uh, referee make a call they don't like. You understand? Like, it, it, we have stopped games and had to come finish them the next day. So, yeah, Cyprus was Cyprus was a one and done, but it was fun because uh, the, the, the island itself, the country itself, very beautiful. I was in Nicosia. So, on the, uh, you know, the Cypriot side, but that city is split between Turkey and, uh, and, and Cyprus. So, the other side of Nicosia is Turkey. And then that was the first time they opened up the border where you could pass going back and forth because a lot of the, um, I'm going to say, Bulgarian uh, people lived on the Turkish side, but work, you know, they did all the like the cleaning jobs and everything like that for the, uh, on the Cypriot side, which is very clean and pristine. And, and there's a lot of money in Cyprus. So I had a good time there, but with the basketball, it was it was OK. It was so, so. Um, and, and then you went to Slovakia? After, um, no, <laughs> after Cyprus, I went to Portugal. And then I was, uh, I was on the island of Madeira and that was, now Portugal was fun, but we had too much fun in Portugal. And then we lost a couple of our best players because they got kicked off the team. And then that hurt us in the playoff. But, um, we had a good run in, in uh, in Portugal. That was that was a great experience. Um, what did you do to get kicked off? Still, we mean too much fun. What they do? Uh, well, our owner was the CEO of the um, the major airline in Portugal, and so my uh, teammate Kenny Younger, <laughs> he got we went out one night after the game. We beat I think we beat Porto and Porto, or we beat one of them. We had a big win. And then, so he got, he got super, super drunk. And then, so the next morning he woke up, he was still drunk. And so he got on the airplane drunk and, oh my God, he showed his ass. And then, so he got kicked off the airplane. You understand? And then when he got back, so that, that's embarrassing, not only the club, but it's embarrassing the president of the club because he's the CEO of the airline. Right. So needless to say, when he got back, he was gone. He was the MVP of the league. So I was the leading scorer, but he was the MVP of the league. So he, we lost him, and then we could never recover after that. We were still good, and we, of course, we replaced him with good players. But um, I think we had Levi Austin. He was a good player. And then uh, Kim Adams, and I forget the other one, but it um, wasn't Kenny. And then so we uh, we lost in the second round to a man from Kentucky, Muhammad. Uh, Nazi Muhammad? Hashimu. Hashimu oh, Evans. Hashimu Evans, yeah. He was uh, Manhattan and then and then uh, Kentucky. He was a bad yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we lost Hashimu. And then, uh, yeah, so uh, you bring back a lot of memories, Doug. But yeah, that's, that's, whole, that's, that, whole, that's the whole idea. You, have an un, you also you have an unbelievable <laughs> memory. For all these guys you play yeah. with and coaches you you, you play play with, right. um, okay. So after so what was the what was the best part about Portugal? At, like uh, the, food, 
the food we live, we live. I live over off a mountain, so yeah. I, I, I was in Madeira on the island of Funchal, so that was yeah. That was that was nice. That was nice, that was, and it was all touristy. So you got a lot of you know international flavor on that island. So that was good. I uh, had a great time there. I uh, wanted to go back, but but they didn't want to bring me back because <laughs> they couldn't control me. But uh, on the floor, on the floor, I gave them everything I had. And so, and uh, the next year, Porto wanted to sign me, uh, which uh, Scott Stewart, my college teammate, he played there. And then, so I was like, okay, we can go there. But then my ex-teammate from uh, Portugal, he, he was in Slovakia. And he was like, how much money you got to get in, in Porto? So I told him that he was like, we got that plus some more in Slovakia. I was like, where? He's like Slovakia, man. He said, "You come here, you you will destroy the league." Then so I was like, "I was so by this time I'm at the end of my career." So I, I say I got about three more years left at high level, and then so I was like, "Well, have them call my agent. We'll see." So I'm sitting on the deck out on Treasure Island Beach, and so I get the phone call, and then he was like, "Yeah, this is serious right here. They saw you take." Uh, and they say you what they need and they're going to pay for it. So they brought me there. I played for, uh, Lubomir Urban. He's a Slovak legend coach. Uh, he won more championships over there than, uh, anybody. And so I played for him. He's a good coach. He's a coach though. You understand? So yeah. I respected him. I respected how he ran the team and I, I played for him for, Four years, but uh, then uh, we won the championship over there. Uh, we went to the playoffs every year. I left it on the floor for him. Uh, no complaints from Slovakia. That was that was a good time. That, that what, what, was the what, end. That, what is that? What is that like though? To you're living a lifestyle for a decade of different team every year. Sometimes two teams in a year. Right. And then at the end, to play for the same team and to play for the same coach for multiple years, uh, was that? Did you like that better? What, what was? What was that? Was that? That seems that seems amazing because now you because the hardest part about it is not necessarily the playing; it's the some new you got like it's a completely new lifestyle, new diet, new places. What was that like to to do the same thing for four straight years? It was actually stability. You understand because uh, I was signed before I go home for the next season. You understand? So I was the MVP over there, I want to say twice. And then the third year we won the championship. And then the fourth year we went back to the finals. Then so we had a nice run. And then so I would always sign, you know, before I, I leave for the next season. And then at that point, you know, as long as the money wasn't ridiculous, I'd be all right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I wasn't there for the money. I just there for the longevity to try to figure out what I'm going to do after I get done <laughs> playing basketball. So, uh, and then, so that gave me the incentive, you know, to stay in shape while I was home and not eat all this stuff over here. Then keep my workout going. And then, I, of course, they give you money when you go home too, you understand, for the, you know, so you can, you know, train and do all that other stuff too. So that was in the contract as well. And then, so it, it just kept me, you know, it kept me going for, my last five years. For my last five years, I played on, uh, I was in Nature. 
then I played uh, one my last season. I was in Levinson, but then that was it. I was done after that. I knew going into my last year that I should have quit the year before. But as a uh, person once told me, it's better to quit too late than too soon. So, you know, I was when I was done, I was done. So your your last game, it was a win. Uh, it was it was it was around January because I didn't finish. I didn't finish. I didn't even finish the season. The reason I went back to Slovakia was uh, the the woman I was seeing at the time. You know, she was there, and then you know we had big plans and everything. So I went back just for her, and then a good friend of mine, he was GM over at the uh, in Levitsa. So he was like, just come play for me for the whole year. And then that's that. So I signed a contract. But then in January, then I was done. I didn't even want to go to practice. I didn't want to play. I didn't even, I, I'm catching attitude. Then I just told him, I'm like, I appreciate it. I was like, but I'm done. So by February, I came home early. And then, uh, <clears throat> you know, my fiance at the time, she came a few months later. And then what I did after that, uh, because I didn't graduate from UF before I left. I went back to uh, finish up my fall semester. I only had one semester left to get my degree. And uh, the great thing was Jeremy Foley, before I left UF in 96, he was like, look, you only got a semester left. So when you're done playing, come on back and finish up. But ain't nobody know I was going to play 15 years professional. So, but at the end... <laughs> But then at the end, when I came back, he honored his word and rolled me back. So I finished up, got my degree. And then so, hey, I have nothing but love and admiration for uh, the University of Florida because, you know, they took care of me. And then so uh, you set me up pretty nice. And then so uh, no complaints, no ill will. I go back all the time. I love my school. Uh, you know, we got a new, we're in transition now. so. It's always going to be tough in the beginning, but uh, it's games that we'll get it right. What's that like that first year when all you've ever done your entire life is be a part of a team? And now there's nothing to get in shape for. There's no practice. There's no coach. There's no teammates to get to know. What's, what's that first year like? It's, it's, it's tough. You're getting fat. You're getting out of shape. Uh, it's not... If I don't get up today and go run my three miles, four miles, oh, nobody going to care. I'm not going to hurt nobody. If I eat after midnight, okay. If I want to drink all day, <laughs> there's, there's no consequences for that. So I had to I had to get then. If I want to go play golf, I can go do that in the daytime. I ain't got to worry about, you know, hitting the weight room or doing this. And then if I want to just stay around and be lazy, nothing. I could do that as well. But the good thing is with that, like once I finished, I had a summer and then I went back to school. So I was going to class, you understand? So I was doing something to break up the monotony of the day. And then so, and then by that time, my fiance was there. So I was, we got married in Gainesville, actually. And then so, you know, football season, basketball season. So it was a good time when I was when I went back. And then it was in the fall semester. So I got a little bit of everything. And then so then after December, I graduated. And then I came back to St. Pete. 
And then so I had to get a place to live. Then I had to find out what career was I going to do. So, you know, the obvious choice would be going into coaching. And I'm going to be honest with you, Doug. <laughs> yeah, I can't coach these kids. I just can't. It's just, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a new generation. And then I was at a private school, you know, Admiral Farragut. And then so these kids, they didn't want to go to practice. They mom, dad called, like, little Timmy got a, a physics test that he has to study for. And he's overwhelmed with, with this and that and everything else. Just the normal stuff that we used to juggle because we had to. You know, these kids nowadays, you know, they can't do that because there are, they're cuddled and coddled and, and, and entitled and, all those things that we had to earn that, you know, they're giving that right away. You understand? You had to earn the entitlement. You had to earn praise. You had to earn, you know, victories. Everybody didn't get the trophy when we grew up. You understand? So, yeah. Yeah, it's a different time. But the talent is still there. It's just time consuming. And I just, uh, I have a good life away from, you know, from it all. You understand? So, I enjoy my free time now. I am a fan of all sports and, but, but it, it took adjustment. And then the thing was, I didn't have a plan of what I was going to do when I finished. You understand? Cause the logically was call one of my friends and, uh, get in the coach. But when I tried to do that, I see that's not that easy. And then so, and then a lot of coaches, don't like to hire ex-players because they don't think the player is going to do the work and put in hours that it takes to be a good coach. But, you know, if an ex-player <laughs> comes in and that's what he want to do, then show him the ropes. That's just don't assume that, you know, the worst because he was an ex-player. You understand? Because ex-players have knowledge. We know the game. Uh, and we can be definitely an asset to some of these coaches that can't get through to the plate, you understand? Because that's what you, how you win games. You win games, you can be the best coach. Coach K is a great coach. They didn't have Grant Hill or Patero or uh, uh, Jason Williams and, and Battier, you know, we probably wouldn't even know Coach K. So yeah, it's, no, it's, no, no doubt, and 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 the and the bridging line of communications is huge. Why not coach overseas? You're so Everywhere you go, people like you, and yeah. th that that mentality is a little bit more aligned with your mentality in terms of a work ethic and earning things. Why not coach overseas? That that is a good one, and then uh, that was what I was going to transition to in Slovakia. I had already set up, but then I had to be a citizen for this, and then had to go with this. Then it was a lot of hoops to jump through. And then so I was like, well, let me go give me some experience, you know, at home and then I can come back. But then after that, I was just done with the coaching aspect. And then I was like, let's put this degree to work. So, you know, uh, toured around because I still had money saved up, you know, for my time plan. So I didn't really get a job till shit, three, four years after I got done playing. And then so. I landed at a company I work for now at St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, we have the homeless population, you know, take them off the street, get them housed. 
and then, you know, help them get jobs and, you know, you know, get them some sense of normalcy and back to, you know, uh, stability, you know, in their lives, you know, after being, you know, homeless for some of them four, five, six years. So, you know, we deal with families, veterans, uh, you know, all the whole gambit. So, so it's a rewarding job. It's, uh, I run the, uh, rapidly housing program. So it's, uh, it's not basketball, but I still treat it, you know, like I'm still in the game. I'm outworking everybody. I'm here late, you know, here early. Uh, everything is done. Pay attention to details. So all the things I used to do while I was playing, you know, I just translated that to the, uh, to the work field and, you know, basketball was hard. This this working, you know, working a job, that's kind of easy stuff. Yeah. It, it actually, it, yeah, it actually is. One of, the reasons, one of the reasons good companies hire guys like you guys that were great athletes because there's a work ethic it takes to make it. It's it's really the interesting part about what you said about former players with coaches. It's, it's weird. Like, I, I don't, not every former player wants to work. There's no question, right? Especially guys that have right. Tons of cash. They're like, man, I don't want to do this. But most of them, they love ball. Like the guys that love ball and have a work ethic, those are the guys you want to have around you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the people I want to have. I want to have, you know, people that is not afraid to get their hands dirty. You understand? Like, you know, it's okay. Like, because I didn't start as, you know, program manager and program supervisor. I started as a regular kid manager. So I had to work my way up. But one thing I said was nobody's going to outwork me. And it was easy because when I got in there, I was like, all these people lazy in here. You understand? Like, they got all these positions. They sitting around doing nothing. But I was like, let me outwork them. And then so, and stay below radar. And then they'll see my work. And then here comes HR. Got this position open up. And we want you to have it. And here I go. And then so the rest is history. But you know, it's it's still a lot of options up there. Um, I have, you know, I'm getting the itch to get back into coaching, but because now I know more about the culture that I will be coaching, because coming back from Europe to the States, that was actually a culture shock. You understand? So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, basketball is still going to be the same. I mean, I know it's a lot of small ball, same size players, which is fun. Like, like, this position is basketball. And that's what it should have been pretty much. I think that's what it's always been. The best players always can play multiple positions. You know, like, Magic can play multiple positions. Uh, Barkley can play multiple positions. You know, Michael could play multiple. Scotty, you understand? Like, they were not just, you know, okay, they small forwards, but Scotty plays, you know, small fours. Scotty plays some points. You know, Michael was, you know, point sometimes. You understand? So, or small four, but they had high impacts in the net. So, you know, it was, uh, it, it, it's always been there, but now it's just more noticeable because these guys make so much money. Oh my God. But I heard Draymond Green making $25 million a year. I, I told my couple mother about to told her you had me. Way too soon. <laughs> no, 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 Way no question. Too no question. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. 
Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, a couple quick ones before we go. One, If you could pick one of the countries that you played in to live in, which one would it be? France, without a question. Love France, love the culture. I tell everybody I became a grown man in France. Uh, just the way they do things, I like. They take time out for themselves. Self-care is very big over there. Uh, you know, and, and everything is done with a little sophistication and class. So, you know, I like that. Uh, I, I put that into, you know, the way I live now, you understand? So that that's, that's definitely a place I would stay. You, uh, you work with housing homeless people. As somebody, as people, anybody who's listening to this pod is not homeless. What, right. what, what do you know about people who are struggling with homelessness that you wish more people understood that they, that they, that they, they got, that you only get because you're actually in contact with all these people? A lot of, a lot of the common denominator is, first of all, uh, for, 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 Pretty much most of them, they in this position because they put themselves in that position. You understand? But the thing is, you have to take mental health into consideration a lot. And I, I've never, ever been the one to, you know, blame a lot of stuff on mental health. But working in this field, uh, you see a lot of that is is relevant and true. And so you definitely have to handle it a lot different. Let's say when we were growing up, be like just suck it up and get up and go do this nah it's not that simple so we have to you know get them the right resource they need so they'll be able to sustain you know permanent housing you know once they're out of our program because we don't have a federal program it's just to help them get them back on their feet um in one country you would never if, if i never went there again it would be too soon oh no i don't have pretty much good time at all of them but uh I would say uh, Hungary. No, my bad. Romania. Yeah. Yeah, I'll keep Romania. Yeah, I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> too, nah. too great? Too great? Too, yeah. Too... Kind of looks like old school Russia. 
Yeah, man, you, you can see a head floating down the river in Romania. Man. <laughs> 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 it's wild <in> Romania. <laughs> um, Gypsies everywhere. Yeah, man. How did you handle when they got shady with the money? Right when all of a sudden, because you play, you played fifteen years. I'm sure that happened a lot of times. How did you personally handle it? Not a lot, but it happened to me in Israel, and Israel and Cyprus. And the way I handled it in Israel, you got to go and sue them. You understand? So you have your agent, then you got to go get a lawyer, and then so it took me five years to get my money, but I got it. But you know, of course, the lawyer got half of it, but I didn't expect that. So. You know, and then, then you got to fly back for court. You understand? So I had to go back to Tel Aviv like three times in that five years. And then uh, luckily one of the times is when I played over there in a cup game. So and then uh, my agent scheduled it like that so I can come in and do my appearance and stuff. Because if not, then I would have got my money. So sometimes I used to have to you know, fly over to uh, Tel Aviv, which, you know, I didn't mind because Tel Aviv is a great town. You understand? So, you know, that was, that was the good part about it. I still had friends there, but, you know, it was an inconvenience because I had to pay for that ticket myself. Sure, sure. And, and to, yeah. to, get, to get your money, right? You had to pay money right. to get to your get money. money, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a crazy they didn't want to give to Yes. Yeah. It's a crazy and then, um, yeah, and in Cyprus, Cyprus it was the same way. You understand? So, but the money wasn't as big in Cyprus as it was in Israel. So, uh, you know, Cyprus that that came a few years later, but I, I didn't even you know that was just you know pay some bills. So I didn't get that one till almost when I was in Slovakia. You know, before I retired. So that how was, did uh, you? There's there's another question. How did you, you? You get paid, you get this money, but you're also you have money to live on while you're there. What's right. the best advice you could give to somebody in terms of managing your money while you're playing overseas? Send all your money back to the crib. Don't, don't keep about $500 for the month. Buy you some food, buy all the alcohol you need to drink. Then just throw all of it back to your account in the States and leave it alone until you're done playing. If it's five years, 10 years or whatever, uh, you, you, you appreciate that because we, we don't make millions of dollars, but you make a hundred grand a year. You make you know, 250, you know, on some good teams and stuff like that. And if you come in with a big name, you understand, and you play well, you, you, you can have longevity in Europe, which I did. You understand? So, you know, that was, that was, uh, that, that is definitely something that you have to do because, like I say, you're not making 25 million. You know what I'm saying? But 250K is pretty good. And you just stack and you just stack it until you, you actually stack. And then then you go get your crib, then you go get your cars, then you know you can take care of that woman that you want to, and then you don't have stress. You understand? Because you know, life is stress free. You understand? I don't you know, I've been pretty much everywhere I'm gonna go. Uh seen pretty much everything I want to see. And then so now I'm just enjoying life. Got me, you know, good woman. I'm chilling. We do things together. Uh, my kids are grown. Uh, my granddad. So, you know, I spend time with the grandson. And then uh, I just uh, I just stay in my lane and stay out of the way. And then I just enjoy this great hair on my chin. And, uh, you know, still 
keep up with my sports. Me and David Thorpe, pretty pretty good, pretty close still, always. We stay in contact. So he keeps me relevant, you know, with the games and everything changing. And so, you know, to be him, you know, not as often as I, as I, as I would like, but, you know, we still in contact. So I just have, you know, a lot of love for what basketball has, you know, afforded me. And, and I wouldn't change anything, although I do regret not playing the league, but it's not a big one. Uh, because I did my thing. Where I got my opportunity to shine, I did it. And then, so, of course, you know, during the summertime, there was a couple of teams, you know, Charlotte, it was the Bobcats then, you know, Bernie Big Staff and all the ones to come play summer camp and summer league and all that stuff. But summertime, that was my time to be with my kids. So, I didn't even, you know, even consider none of that. So if y'all want to be in there, bring me to camp. I don't want to come in and play summer league. I don't want to do all that there. If you want me to come, bring me to camp, then that's a different story. So because, like I said, Doug, I was already signed for the next season before I leave. So I already had a gig, so I was comfortable. And then that was was the only thing I would say is I got too comfortable in Europe. That's okay. I mean, you know, I mean, like if, if that's a, if that's a bad thing and it lasted 15 years, you know, because other guys, right. they come and they chase it and, you know, they, they never, right. they're never comfortable anywhere. Right? They're constantly chasing right. that NBA dream. Right. Right. And then, you know, had, you know, as, as the time went on, you know, 15 years, you have you know, all Americans coming through. So I, I went from being the youngster to the vet. And then, so, you know, you got to teach, teach the youngsters how to use a freaking knife for four. You understand, like, even your damn fingers, you're a grown man. Like, yeah. That is. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was good. And it, it just shows you the different cultures and the things that people take more important in different places. Cause like I tell everybody, I was like, People the same all over the world. They want their kids to do good. They want to have you know nice places to stay, nice things, this, that, that. But the only thing is different. It's pretty much the culture and the politics. You understand? Like, you know, in certain countries, the people run their country. Over here, the government run our country. You understand? So it's like, you know, you see, you see the way the world can work, but you understand why it works in certain places because of, you know, financial means and financial gains and, and, and just everything is, is based on something, but it's all different in every, you know, aspect when you all over the world, you know, it's different in Asia than in say Iceland. Then, you know, you go to the UK, which is another place I love, but I hate the food. But, um, you know, it's then you slide down to France, then over to Germany. So, you know, it's, it's just, Oh, everything is good, but you know, the politics just a little different. Pretty amazing, right? All started in St. Pete when you're 10 years old. You, yeah. you completely saw the world. You played yeah. against everybody, yeah. and you had a good time doing it. That's a, it's a pretty, and you're only like, you're like halfway through life. You still got a whole other half of life to live. Hey, and, 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 and it's good. And I do like this part right here because, you know, it, it, it molds you into a person. You understand? It takes more than just, you living in your surroundings and being comfortable where you are, you have to be uncomfortable. You have to take a chance. You have to go ahead and, you know, like they say, put your nuts on the line. You understand? So, you know, because I could have <laughs> left UF, 
went to the post office, been there for 50 years, you understand, and died. You know what I mean? But but I chose to do something else. I chose to, you know, be different, be exceptional. And, you know, it's paying off now. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate you joining me. It's, it's awesome to catch up. We got to do it in person. And we got to do yes, it more sir. Yes, sir. I, I, I will make I will make the same peak. I'll make the same peak sometime this year. Man, you come on down here, man. We do it big. Good trip down memory lane if you're a Florida Gator fan or an SEC fan, just a college hoops fan, right? That was um, that was the Arkansas National Championship. Remember Arkansas? Had a game winner. Played Duke. Can you think of who the fourth team was? I actually was playing video games with Cherokee Parks, me and Miles Simon, um, about five hours before that National Championship game in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Haven't been back to Charlotte since. That was also the arena, the old arena by the airport where the Hornets used to play. That, that, was, that was where it was. Well, anyway, thanks so much for listening. Reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 6 Eastern or 12 3 Pacific, iHeartRadio, FoxSportsRadio.com, or on SiriusXM. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just this way. Before you board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Brakes? We can save you 15% on that. We have OE quality Duralask brake pads and rotors in stock, ready for pickup or delivery. We also have calipers, brake fluid, tools, and anything else you'll need to do the job right. When you get Duralask pads and rotors together, you'll save 15%. It's just part of what makes us America's number one brakes destination. Get in zone, AutoZone.